0: Welcome to the Fourth Down Experience, the podcast devoted to special teams. Your host of the Fourth Down Experience, former pro free agent, nine-year professional kicking coach out of the Midwest, Coach Chris Hughesby. Alongside Coach Chris Hughesby is a former two-time arena bowl champion. Nine-year pro kicking coach rep in the south, Coach
1: Brian Jackson!
0: hey everybody welcome to the fourth down experience Brian Jackson and I are here and we have an exciting podcast for you today um, a lot has gone on here in the last week and we're excited to just talk about it uh, bring you up to speed on on how things are progressing with the podcast talk a little Super Bowl I mean the hottest game in town even in even here in Minnesota and then uh, just talk about our, our next guest and we're excited about this one it's it's kind of been on our docket of, of something to talk about and, and, and a passion of, of ours, especially Brian's. And so, so uh, how are you doing, Brian?
1: Yeah, I'm doing good, man. Uh, yeah, like you said, this has been, uh, since we started 4th Down Experience Podcast, uh, you've mentioned uh, three or four times that you wanted this guy on the pod, and I was like, yeah, man, let's do it. And so, episode 12 is the lucky episode that we'll have this individual uh, tune in here shortly. It may be five, six minutes or so. Uh, but I'm excited. But um, before we get into the to the special guest, uh, let's talk about the biggest game on Earth, which was the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah. So the Super Bowl is awesome. Yeah. Um, watched it. You know, I, I think in I was kind of rooting for the Patriots just a little bit, but uh, you know, it's nice to see a new team win as well. So so congratulations to the Eagles. Um, what do you think of the game, Brian?
1: I thought it was a fantastic game. I'm glad it wasn't a blowout either way. Uh, very high scoring, very competitive, kept you on, on your heels. People have debated whether the national anthem was good or not or if Justin Timberlake's halftime show was good or not. I think since we're in social media, and as Gary Vee would say, social media hasn't necessarily um, changed us. It's just exposed us. I just think people... Are just so quick to to just like jump down people's throat. I mean, I thought the the God Bless America. I thought that was performed exceptionally well. I, I thought Pink did a fantastic job with the Star Spang- I mean, you know, with the national national anthem. I'm sorry, and and she came off of illness too. I thought she killed it. I love the passion. I love that everyone was standing uh, attention to the flag. I thought um, Timberlake killed it. I mean, the guy can move. Uh, danced like crazy. I think that was his third time doing the Super Bowl um, halftime show. I thought it was hilarious. He's so funny when when the kid kind of just got starstruck or, or maybe didn't even know who Timberlake was up in the stands. That was hilarious and kind of awkward, and that kid became famous overnight. He's already been on Ellen and and, and Good Morning America, but, but the game was just awesome. Uh, I, I, I was kind of leaning towards the Patriots as well. I don't really know why, uh, but at the end of the game, it just felt good, seeing the the Eagles win, and it felt good, Doug Peterson as the coach winning, and and Nick Foles as the backup quarterback, and just all that he did, it was just it was a really feel good feeling, and I just thought it it had all of the, all the emotions and feelings you'd want when you're watching a Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, I agree. On my end, I had the benefit. I I was able to pick up a a job to work at the Super Bowl, so I was pretty stoked about that. And a role that I had was I was actually the personal bodyguard for uh, Paul Burmeister, one of the NBC Sports analysts, sideline analysts. So for me, it was really sweet to do that. But also as a fan of the game, we were walking up and down the sidelines. You know, we were walking at times in the Eagles – Kind of area in pregame and warm ups, and you know, because he was trying to find guys to talk to. And but I, I was like three feet from the field the whole time, and it was incredible. And I'll tell you what, the singers, you know, I don't know what the audio sounded like on TV because I didn't get a chance to watch it, but they were incredible. Mm-hmm. The guy that sang uh, pink, her voice was incredible to hear that in person, and I thought her, her rendition was great. Um, one thing that I thought was really fun to see, you know, you. Um, Where 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 my guy, the guy that I had to work with or 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 protect, you know where he stood or where where the NBC spot was 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 actually pretty close to where the specialists warmed up, and it was pretty fun to like be there. Probably about a dozen times we were near them, just to see their routines and on on how they went about their business from a specialist standpoint. You know you know what they did, if the team was on the far end of the field marching down, how they went about their reps, and then as they started getting in the field goal range. Well, they did their reps. I mean, that was really fun to see. And and obviously, probably all you guys watched the game. You know, there's a few special teams mishaps. You know, and with the snaps and the holds and just some missed kicks. But all those specialists, they all rebounded, and and they all got back on track. And at the end of the game, each of those (laughs) kicks counted for something. You know, it all it all made a big difference in the end. So I thought that was really fun to see how they went about their business in the game in
1: person. Yeah, you know, I really liked your Facebook post. I think you got over, like, 200 likes on it. I mean, it it was a really nice post. I like how you you typed it all out, and you answered kind of, like, three or four questions that I was going to ask you, but here's one for you, Chris. When you you got this little gig, and and just a sweet experience, no doubt. Um, At the end of the game, kind of like when when the Patriots threw the pass, it fell on the ground, and everyone's kind of rushing the field, like, what was that experience like? Did you... (laughs) you know, have to watch, get your head on the swivel or, or protect the guy that you were with. What happened?
0: Yeah, so that was interesting. Um, where we were at, you know, it's, it's kind of like when you start to see the field, there's like always kind of a whitish or gold line that kind of dots the field. We were standing there, and we were starting to talk about what's going to happen next. And actually, the guy I was with, Paul, he was in charge of interviewing the losing coach. And so the plan was obviously to get out there and try to find where that coach was and, and, and follow him and, and, and kind of get that interview but with like three game, game minutes left all the other security people all the people that had kind of roles like me or just kind of in that role they basically boulder, bordered shoulder to shoulder with a rope all the way around the field and so I had to tell those guys I was like hey I'm, I'm with this guy and, and I was like I gotta stay close to this guy so I can you know just in case you know you gotta protect him or make some room but like as, as that that incomplete pass happened, you could see on our left side the Eagles players just starting to rush out there because we were on the Eagles side most of the time, or, or probably a higher majority of the time. They just started, you know, they started rushing out there. But before that, when there was like maybe the last drive in the Eagles, you could just see they were struggling. I'm sorry, the the Patriots they were struggling. They weren't completing the passes, and then they got that that last conversion, and that so gave them a little bit more life. The Eagles were starting to celebrate, and it was cool to see, it was. When it was kicking in for them, like, oh my gosh, we're gonna win this thing. So that was cool. Yeah. And and then when they rushed the field, just like all the media people just converged, and there was actually, it it was incredible. And then all the confetti was falling, and it was like it was like it was snowing, but confetti. And it was just cool. I was like, man, I, I feel like a player to a point, you know. Yeah. But it was, we we're walking around, and I just followed him, and he was trying to figure out where. So
1: Chris tell, talk to tell um the audience the six or seven celebrities or popular people that you listed on, on Facebook that you saw.
0: Oh yeah. I mean I mean we saw everybody, but um you know, because I you know, the guy Paul who I was with, you know, he knew a lot of people, so he was going around saying hi to everybody and and so, you know, I had to follow him everywhere within the stadium into into the media like hangout room and, and all that stuff. So you know, where we were walking, you know, Robert Kraft walked by us two or three times. And Giselle Bunch and Tom Brady's wife, you know, then family walked by us. And I was like, you know, she's a good-looking lady. And so it was cool to see that. And, you know, we see him on TV. And um, all these former NFL athletes that have turned to kind of analysts, you know, so you see see Heinz Ward at the end of the game and Tony Um <coughs> You know, uh, Paul ended up doing uh, after post-game interview or, or discussions with uh, Tony Dungy, and I, I think it was Rodney, Rodney Harrison. Um, but just to just to see all those guys, and then while we were waiting in those final few minutes of the game, Steve Young was standing right behind me, and then he kind of cut through to be in that front row to get out there. And I mean, it was it was cool. And then there was other guys. You know, like I recognized their faces. You know, it's just like you know can't put a name to them in this on the spot, but it was just it was cool. Just to see all those guys awesome. beyond standards, you can see him from a distance doing his doing his uh you know, game analysis at, at his desk it was cool
1: all right well cool so let's let's kind of get lead feed right here in our stats on the soundcloud and itunes uh guys we are almost at the 1700 listen mark uh we we really appreciate you guys following along and 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 staying in touch with us guys i, I almost feel like we're just getting started here we have such an amazing lineup of NFL specialists and, and, and just some really highly credible guys. But today we're going to switch it up a little bit. Today uh, we're going to go in the trick shot world. Again, like we said earlier, this is someone that Chris and I have, have wanted since we started 4th Down Experience Podcast. So I really think you guys are going to enjoy it. Uh, just just a minute or so left before our guy calls us. Chris, talk about some of the stats and, and the data that, you, that you're seeing on iTunes and SoundCloud.
0: Sure, so just like you were saying, you know, we're, we're pretty close to 1,700 listeners at this point, um, just in the last week or last, last seven days. A little over 100 people listened, and it was it's, it's really fun to see how it comes together, and you know, we often talk and kind of joke that we're an international podcast, but just, just in the last seven days, our top seven, basically the, the, the seven countries that listen to our podcast, Minnesota, or United States... Then Mexico, then France, Czech Republic, Canada, Brazil, Japan. I mean that's awesome. So you know we we appreciate followers and the worldwide listeners that that, that want to listen to what we have to say. Um, <coughs> we picked up, um, if, you know, when you break it down statistically, we picked up a lot of listeners from Memphis, Tennessee, and that was that's cool. You know, and um, Dolton, Alabama, your your hometown. A lot of people are listening over there. So.
1: Hey.
0: <laughs> and actually, third. Mexico, I can't even pronounce this name, Caritaro, Mexico, so we appreciate the five listens that, that we got from you guys, that's cool, and, and uh, California, and, and you know Maple Grove, the area where I'm from, and in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, Atlanta, Austin, Texas, Mississippi, Collins, Mississippi, it's, it's amazing, man. I, I love this thing, I'm a, I'm a statistics nut, and it's, uh, it's really cool to see how this is all breaking down.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think um the audience will enjoy it. Um, he's very creative. He's unique, super talented. Hey, there he is. Bruce. There he is. You ready? Yep. All right, chainsaw.
2: Yo, what up, dude? What's <laughs> up, Adam? How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? Good. Long time no talk. What's up? Uh... That's what I'm saying, man. It's cool to hear from you guys. <laughs>
0: Yeah, man. So, hey, welcome to the fourth down experience. We are live, and uh, man, we are so excited to have you on. I, you know, as you know, I think you've been following the uh, the podcast for a little bit. Um, you know, every every week we try to interview someone in the industry that just makes an impact, whether it's an NFL player or a, or a coach. You know, and you got this really nice, unique niche that uh, Brian and I talk about every once in a while, and and Brian does a very good job at. But we thought it would be very fun to cover trick shot kicks. So,
2: uh, That's fine with me, man. I'll you know. help you out. Yeah, We're and, happy
0: and blessed to have you on,
1: man. And, Ch- and Chainsaw is, is not only a great trick shotter, uh, if you will, but he's a really good kicking coach, too.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I do a lot of uh, private lessons from uh, NFL guys. All the way to beginners, so it's been it's been pretty cool the last six seven years. So, I'm glad to be on, man.
1: Yeah. So this is episode 12 of the Fourth Down Experience podcast, and we have Adam Chainsaw Lennon. So we're gonna dive right into right into this one, Chainsaw. How did you get the nickname Chainsaw?
2: Well, my nickname came about because uh, I'm kind of a jack of all trades. I'm skilled in a bunch of different trades and tree work in uh, land surveying. Um, I've been doing those trades for quite a while. I'm out of the tree work now except for just side jobs I do on the weekend, like uh, removals and stuff like that. And then I'm a land surveyor. That's my full-time job. I work for a surveying and engineering company. But my nickname, Chainsaw, came about just from being a tree worker. And all my friends just started calling me Chainsaw and just... It kind of just kind of took off. Nobody really calls me Adam. <laughs> um, it's weird. The the kids around the neighborhood, when they know I'm at the park, they all yell chainsaws at the park, and they all come watch me <laughs> kick footballs and stuff like that. So it's been pretty cool. The the nickname really stuck. So it's
1: cool. Yeah, I, I love the nickname personally.
2: Yeah, man, it's bad, badass. You
0: know. <laughs> um, so so obviously you you got the regular job. You you running your kicking academy. Tell us about that. What's it called? You know, and, and what's kind of the age groups of guys you train? And and then we'll, we'll
2: get right into the trick shot part of it. Well, it's Elite Special Teams is uh, the Facebook page. And I don't – my main thing is I coach uh, beginners all the way to NFL kickers, but I, the NFL kickers that I coach I, I never uh, tell about because they ask me to and they come to me for one reason only, and that's for onside kick help. So – you know, I, that's awesome. It's been pretty cool. So I mean,
1: out
2: of respect for them and they ask me not to tell that I'm working with them. And, you know, I respect that. So, but they come to me for one reason and one reason only, and that's for onside kicks.
1: Yeah. I've actually witnessed it of you coaching an NFL specialist onside kicks. So I can attest, I can attest to that. I think Chris may have done it too, but I can attest to sitting there watching you and just, Hearing you spill your knowledge of um, like so many different types of ways and angles of hitting an onside kick—it's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, it's the onside kick's my favorite, man. It's just something that I kind of mastered over the years, so it's kind of cool to give my knowledge to people that are at the highest level.
1: Yeah, so let's kind of do like a little background. Um, Chris even asked me a second ago, and I was like, I can't—I I want to say I know, but I just want to make sure Chainsaw says it. I know that you're you're always honest about it, but. Um, Kind of talk about, uh, like, where you're located at state-wise uh, as well as, like, your high school football and, and then whatever happened with college and, and even the next level after
2: that. Um, well, I grew up – I live in Reno, Nevada. That's where I do all my – well, it's, it's technically Sparks, Nevada, but Reno and Sparks are kind of combined. So it's basically uh, Sparks, Nevada. I do all my private lessons here. I went to uh, high school, McQueen High School, and I graduated in 1995. And back in those days, McQueen was uh, was actually a national powerhouse. They were actually ranked, and uh, I got a, uh, I kicked footballs at McQueen High, and then after that, I had and my only my one and only offer that I got out of high school was from Shasta Junior College in California. And I, and I remember getting that letter and I was just so proud of it because, you know, not not many people know, you know, when I graduated high school, I was five foot three and I was 110 pounds. And just to get like a like a junior college offer was like pretty special to me. But my coach, uh, you guys probably heard of him, I know Brian has, mm-hmm. uh, Ray and Rob Pelfrey, yeah. they lived here in the Sparks area. So I actually got kicking lessons for free. That's awesome. So I, I trained with them for years and years and years. And uh, Ray, he's like, you know, I know you have all this little offer. He's like, but you have a Division One leg. And so he uh, was really trying to help me out. And I was with uh, – I actually went and kicked footballs with all the kickers at the University of Nevada, Reno, UNR. And uh, I trained with them and kicked with them for two weeks, but they couldn't make room for me. So I was pretty bummed out about it because I'm a local boy, and I, I really wanted to kick for UNR because, you know, growing up in Reno, I was like, man, I, I just it would be so cool to, like, just even suit up and be, you know, on the sidelines at, you know, the town you grew up in, this, you know, college football in the, the town you grew up. And they couldn't make room, so I got my video back. And a week later, I sent it to UNLV, then UNLV's coach, uh, was Coach White at the time, special teams coach, came up and uh, wanted me to kick field goals for him, and I made uh, 30 out of 31 field goals for him, and he's like, hey, I want you to come down and compete for the job. So I went down to UNLV, um, through some NCAA rules, my ACT test scores weren't high enough, and they didn't catch it until I had already entered the school. It was kind of just a big old shenanigan thing. So yeah. I got the notification that I couldn't play. So the next day I withdrew from UNLV and came back to Reno and then just finished out college.
1: And you played Semar pro didn't you?
2: Yeah. Well, Reno actually had a an arena team called the Reno Barons, and the team folded. So – the team went outside to semi-pro, and they call themselves the Nevada Dream, and I made that team, and I ended up kicking that for them for a year, didn't which you, was pretty cool. It was it was pretty cool to do that.
1: Didn't you punt, too?
2: Uh, yeah, I actually <laughs> punted for them, too, and uh, it was kind of hard because, you know, the snapping and, like, semi-pro balls and, like... <laughs> It's not like legit snapping, so Dude. I was like, "Hey guys, you got to remember, I'm only five foot three, so don't snap <laughs> it over my head." So, but that was pretty cool. <laughs> well, so just to get the the skill of punting too.
1: Yeah, I mean, even arena ball, the, the snapping typically is subpar, you know.
2: Yeah, it's pretty bad.
1: <laughs> cool. All right, Chris, what do you? I, th- I see you getting getting anxious over there. What do you want to ask uh, Chainsaw? Um, oh uh,
0: man, I'm ready to just pick your brain about trick shots. You know, and, all right and, and one of the best out there and then obviously brian you know any feedback you can get from your experiences but uh so uh so chainsaw so obviously you know you from watching this through social media over the last seven eight years you know you were one of the original guys to really start doing trick shots how long have you been doing it and then what made you get into it
2: i've actually been doing trick shots for a really long time i remember the first time I tried to kick a football into a basketball hoop I was I was probably 28 years old I'm 41 now so it's been a long time but back in those days like when I was 28 you know you didn't have iPhones where you could just set your camera up and hit play you have like camcorders and <laughs> stuff like that so social media really didn't exist so I, I've been kicking footballs into basketball hoops for a long time i but I didn't really understand at the time that it was like a special talent. I, I, I assumed everybody could do it. And over the time, over the years, people, when I first came back to kicking, um, which was when I was, shoot, I was probably 34, 35 years old when my wife got me back kicking again. And I started doing it again and people were like, hey dude, you're really talented. And then social media kinda had a platform and I started posting videos, and then it just kind of skyrocketed from there, you know?
1: What? Uh, do you remember your – so your first trick shot, you were 28, hit it in the hoop. Um, I know I've seen this in person when I've done collabs with you. Um, talk about some of the trick shots you've done on the first try. Or, like, you know, some people always – a lot of people, uh, you know, they hate, and they say, like, there's no way you got that, like, in 100 tries. But I've seen you literally – you know do a trick shot and i was like dude let me hit record first before you make the dang shot and you like already made it like talk about like hitting the trick shot on the first try sometimes
2: yeah and uh, trust me i've learned lessons from that before because sometimes i'll just go out and just warm up and be like okay i'll just try to get the touch and stuff like that and i won't i won't have my camera going or hit record or anything like that and now, now I know as is a is a professional. You know, set your camera up and just get that thing rolling because there's always that chance that a trick shot's going to go on on ball one. And and many of the times when I do trick shots, you know, I'll hit it within the first five balls because I do a lot of measurements um, from the hoop to the tee, and I know my touch is really good. So I don't know, man. It's just Chainsaw. it's just a weird thing. I gotta
1: tell you, I got to tell you a really funny story. Um, do you remember when uh, you came and helped me with the Central Arkansas camp uh-huh. uh, on that purple and white field? Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. And then um, they had that little indoor facility, like a 40-yard field or something?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. So like uh, like a year or two later, they they put a basketball hoop connected to the wall there inside the indoor facility? Uh-huh. I think just the guys, if they want to play pickup basketball, they could. So uh we get done with one of the sessions and Chris was was there helping me and uh and he's setting up the sticks and I was you know we were about to do like a little trick shot session for fun and he was about to kick the ball and I'm like dude no I learned from Chainsaw do not hit a ball until you hit record and he was like yes. he's like dude I'm not going to make it I'm not I'm not I'm like dude do not just wait give me like like 90 more seconds to set up and so he waited he stood there in stance and I finally hit record and no line. He he hit like a twenty-yard, like hoop shot first try for Hughesby. Yeah,
2: but yeah. I remember. Uh, I did the same thing with you with Southern Miss when uh, I hit the onside kick into the can from the balcony, and we didn't have the camera running because I was yeah. just practicing, and the and the ball went in. <laughs> That's
1: when I'm like, uh, I remember there there were at least a handful of times it's happened between
2: us. Yeah, yeah, man. It that, it's, it's such an awful feeling. You're like, oh
0: man. So, so of those first tries that both you guys, of those first tries, where you didn't have the camera on. Were you ever able to repeat it to finally get it on camera?
2: Yeah, yeah. I've always been able to to repeat it, but you just you just know, just always have your camera set up.
1: Yeah, the shoulda, woulda, coulda. It's like man.
2: any trick shot can be repeated.
1: Yeah, you know. I think that's a good. There's another question on here. I think. Um, let's see. On average, how many attempts do you think you take? I think a lot of that's like depends on the like the level of difficulty of the trick shot too.
2: Yeah, it depends. Um, most of the time, kicking it into the hoop from about thirty-five yards takes me about ten to fifteen balls, mm-hmm. and then, um, like the technical on-site stuff that I do, the, it's some of that stuff's not really that hard. It looks really hard on video. But the one where I, I just kind of invented a new one where I onside kick it and then I punt it into the air and catch it behind my back. That one's actually not that hard, but it looks pretty technical. Yeah. But it's, If you have your ball pumped up to about 12.5 PSI and, you know, it's like a 50-degree day, I, I know I can get that ball to pop up within three yards of me and then I can punt it back in the air and catch it behind my back.
1: Hey, John um, tell, tell Chris, because Chris gets so funny in some of these interviews. He, he's like a little kid. It's awesome. But, like, tell Chris about – some. You, you taught me doing trick shots on the basketball hoop, depending on if it's a double rim or a single rim. Like, uh, the PSI, I, I think you you would talk about, like, with your hands on the ball and what you did with the ball. Like, <clears> what, <throat> talk about that a little bit. I think Chris would love to hear that too.
2: So, it's Every trick shot's different, and every trick shot that I do requires a different kind of ball. Like, all, right. all footballs aren't, aren't made the same way, and and all basketball hoops aren't made the same way. So sometimes if I'll, I'll, I'll go to, like, a random school, and I'll test the backboard out, and then, if, if it's a double rim, then I know a double rim's going to be a lot harder than a single rim. Um but I'll pump my ball up probably to about you know ten pounds, and if that ball really slaps off the hoop and comes back at me, I'll take air out of the ball, because um, wow. if you you don't want a bat uh, a football pumped up to twelve to thirteen psi and kick it off of a, a a backboard that's super super hard that's concreted into the ground, it's just not gonna it's not gonna fall if you don't have the softness or squishiness of the ball. And and granted, you know, the ball might snap in off the backboard just because the ball is odd-shaped. It's not a soccer ball. It's not a basketball. But if you have a softer ball kicking into a harder backboard or or rim, you have a better chance of making it. You know? Yeah.
0: So what are the different types of balls you use and the different types of shoes? Like, how important are each of them? And what are some sort of like the field
2: conditions, if you want to use that, that, that would tell you, like, i got to use this type of shoe or this type of ball? It, no, I things. use... Um, right now, I just... I, my favorite pair of kicking shoes, Just I just tore a hole in them on my right foot, my kicking foot. So, But I have a pair of Vans, just like normal Vans that you slip on, and they're awesome because not only do they kind of emulate just having a sock on, but they have a huge rubber tip and you can do onsides like crazy with them, and it, and it doesn't hurt your toes as bad because the rubber around the toes helps kind of like insulate and protect your toes. Nice. And I know there's two different ways to onside. You can do it with your instep or your toes, but I believe as a onside specialist and coaching as many kickers I have on onsides, if you use your toes, you can compress the ball a lot harder than using your instep. But my my favorite shoes right now are probably my vans because the rubber around my toes just protects my toes more and trust me my toes are pretty jacked up
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm sure you've probably thought about it but chainsaw you should you should uh start tagging vans and and hashtagging all the vans hashtags and try to get some kind of in-kind sponsorship with that
2: yeah and it's been cool i i do have a uh A clothing line that um, in a way sponsors me it's uh, represent Ltd they uh, they're a big sponsor of uh, Nate Diaz the ultimate fighter and they they send me clothes all the time so I, I constantly wear their gear and they play my videos and they've given me somewhat of a pretty good platform so it's been it's been pretty cool so nice. I enjoy it so
0: what, what type of ball is easiest to kick?
2: under armor oh my gosh composite under armors not only that but um if you the 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 recent videos that i've done the the black under armor footballs with the red under armor logo those you can tumble those and brian knows what tumbling is um should i explain what tumbling is real fast
1: yeah yeah do it, do it
2: so awkward. tumbling is If I just lay the ball on the ground, I can come into the ball and grab uh, the ball with my toes and and grab it and push it towards me. And Under Armour works really well because the the tips of the balls are really rounded. They're not super sharp. It's not like a real sharp tip. So if you have a real sharp tip ball and you try and tumble it with your foot, the ball just – it'll start going to the left or right. And – the Under Armour balls, if you tumble them, since the tips are so flat and rounded, they'll just keep tumbling to you at like at zero degrees. Say my in between my left knee and my right knee, that's zero degrees. I can just keep it on that 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 line. So it's the same thing if you're punting on a line. I can tumble that ball down a line to me, and it won't go anywhere. It'll just stay on line. Yeah. So sharp tip balls like the Nike Vapors and stuff like that, it, they just don't work for some trick shots because you just can't tumble them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's awesome, man. What? So over the years, as, as social media progresses, you know, we've all seen just trick shots in general start to get more popular with groups like Dude Perfect and all that stuff. What's, what's the social media interaction like for, for you and, and Brian when you post a pretty sweet or epic shot you know, is it mostly positive? Is there is there a lot of negativity, or what? What, are, what do people say to you guys? You know, when, when you post something sweet.
2: Yeah, you know, most of the time it's positive, but you know, you know, you're going to get your haters here and there. But you know, how I see it, if you can't do what I do, then you know, I don't care. You know, I put the hours in to get as good as I have. But you know, hey, haters, you know, don't even mind them. But the social media like platforms lately that I've been on. I, my buddy called me the other day, and he, he told me I was on SportsCenter like five days ago, like number three for a trick shot that I did, and I haven't even seen it. I tried to Google it and look it up, and he's like, no, dude, I just saw you on SportsCenter. I was like, really? Which one? And then he told me the <laughs> trick shot that I did, and I still haven't seen it. So it's kind of cool to... You know, when you post a video and you know it's a good shot, and people pick it up, and like SportsCenter, Bleacher Report, people like that. And I was on Bleacher Report. When was it? I think it was two weeks ago. My brother called me. It was. It was on their app. I, I just downloaded the app. I, I guess I was on the the the. If you hit down below on the app, the fire button or fire whatever. I guess I was. I was one of the videos, and I, I didn't even know it. But it's pretty cool that people, you know, see my stuff. So.
1: Yeah, I think, for me personally, it was um, when when we had that camp down in Mobile, Alabama, and you were there, Chain, and uh, Chris, you were there, and we we gave the kids like a thirty minute thirty minutes to kind of show their stuff and.
2: Oh yeah, that was epic. It was
1: just cool because there were like at least four people or groups of people that had actually practiced together, before they came. To like a showcase yes. camp, and and they all like nailed all their shots. So like when Gunner Robinson did, did that little rainbow, and then he bombed it through, I think for me personally that was kind of like, and of course I tagged Gunner and and gave him all the credit, and he was on the gram, and all that. So like I think that was kind of like a point where I was like, man, uh, trick shots are cool. You know, if, if I can. If I can get involved and and get more kickers to follow our accounts and come to our camps and see that they're fun, and just from me doing an onside kick in a trash can, like, you know, why not, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, yeah, like, kicking trick shots are a little different because I don't think a lot of people understand the technicality involved you know with a soccer ball soccer seems soccer trick shots seem to be a lot more popular but with an american football to me it just doesn't seem as almost as mainstream kind of i guess but when people see us do what we do with an american football and actually understand how hard and technical it is because the ball is so odd shaped then like when people like gunner and you know, the other kid that did that spun the ball and the other kid kicked it through the field goal at that camp, you know. That was pretty cool to see just to just to know that, like, what we've done over the years, you know, people respect it and, and they kind of want to emulate it. And if anybody wants to emulate you, you know, that's, that's such a huge plus.
1: Yeah, you it's definitely a compliment for sure.
2: Yeah. Oh. So that was pretty cool. It was pretty I, special. That was probably one of the one of the coolest camps, too, for me personally, because not only did we did that, but I had my own little segment where I did the tumble
1: that was so into cool.
2: the trash can. Yeah, that was awesome. And I remember, I remember that, that day, earlier in the day, I was like, I was like, now I was so nervous because I knew I was going to have to do this in front of there was a lot of people at that camp. <laughs> especially in the bleachers. And I was like, and I've done it in front of a bunch of people before, but You know, that – but that was just like a a college basketball game, like kicking it into the court or into the hoop from half court at halftime. But doing it in front of people at an actual kicking camp was different for me because it wasn't a freak show, you know. This is like, hey, dude, you're a professional coach, and this is what you do. This is your name on it. So I really want to make that shot when that – I, knew, I remember when I made it early in the afternoon when yeah. uh, it was like your the other coaches were there.
1: It was like your second um, shot, too.
2: And that was pretty cool, and that, that really gave me the confidence. I'm like, yeah, I, I know I can bust this. Well, so it was, I, that was cool.
1: I think what was the coolest is, like, everyone respected you, you know, at least for, from what I, I was really <laughs> observing just from the sensitivity of what we were doing. And everyone – you know, if people wanted to be disrespectful, they would have just walked away and stretched or something. Yeah. Even though it took you, like, 15, 16 tries, like, everyone was still st- standing there watching, supporting, like, even the girl kicker, uh, I think her name was Savannah. Savannah, she even came and, like, asked you, how do you do it? And you showed her in the middle of your of your demo, and then next thing you know, you, you make it, and, and everyone cheered. And that's what was yeah. so cool, is, like, if if people were like like this is dragging on or whatever," they would have been like, "Yeah, whatever, clap, clap, but like everyone was <laughs> stoked when you made it, and that that's what showed like, man, these people respect you, you know,
2: and I think it was cool because not not only did every ball that I actually popped up, I mean every single one of them was pr- was close, you know, yeah. there was a couple I think that actually bounced off the rim of the can, yeah, and that kind of made it a little bit more exciting, like hey, this guy's this guy's gonna make this."
1: Yeah, man. yeah,
0: man. So speaking of those close calls, even for both you guys, do you ever give yourself a time limit? And have you ever, out of curiosity, have you ever given up on a shot just because it just took too long to get? It was difficult, or do you always stick it out until the end?
1: Let me ask. Th- let me answer this one first, Chain. Go ahead. Um, all right. Well, I used to do, n- like, how many attempts? But now, <laughs> um, and, and Chainsaw and Chris, y'all can both attest to this with having a family. Like, Steph will be like, my wife will be like, yeah, you got an hour. Like, go do your thing for an hour. So I'm like, all right, I gotta get all, I gotta get all my logistics covered here. So like, let's just say that's the scenario. Then I, if I already have an idea in my head, typically what setting up the camera, getting the balls out of the frame, like it's almost like it takes more time to get all the logistics covered than the actual trick shot. And so, yeah. So for me personally, I don't go by attempts. Like once I'm like ready to go and I got the logistics and I know I got to leave by four o'clock and it's like three I'll say like, okay, here's the concept I want to do in my head. I'm going to give myself 30 minutes. So I may attempt 20 times. I may attempt 75 times. I don't know. Like there've been times I've tried a hundred balls before just because it's so technical. Like, but I, I don't go I won't count every single number. I'll just say like by thirty minutes if I made it great. And then if I get it, then I'll try to think of like a spin off or some other cool videos to make that video look cool. That's just my opinion. What do you do, Chain?
2: No, that and I I agree. Once you how I deal with it is uh you know, I have some really technical shots that I do, but once you start if you count reps, and then the more reps you miss, the more disappointed you get, That's and that affects the kicker's mind. So how I go about it is, if you let the amount of reps affect your mind and you start getting like pissed off, <laughs> you might as well you might as well just pack your bag and go home because the minute your your mind goes, your kick your kicking goes too, yeah. and the same goes in a, in an actual game. If you go out there. And you know, 47 yards is your cutoff, and you got a 47 yarder, you, you know, and you have a bad attitude about it, you're probably not going to make it. So if you count reps and count all the balls you kick, and you start getting mad at yourself, it, the ball's just not going to go in. When I go out, I just, my main thing is my mindset. What's my mindset when I go out and do trick shots? If I have a clear mind, and I go out there and just try and be inventive. An and I know I get a ball to do what I want it to do, with the height I need it, with the PSI that I need it. You know, I know I'm gonna make that shot. But the minute, the split second you start getting down on yourself, just pack your bags and go home because it's not even worth it. Because once you're, once that negative thought comes into your head, it's, it's not gonna fall. It just won't fall.
1: Hey, one thing that we've been really liking, well, I guess I should say I've been liking, I think Chris has talked about it before, is the the ability and skill set with the skateboard. Um, kind of talk about that.
2: Well, it's weird. Like, a lot of people don't know. I mean, I grew up skateboarding and roller skating and stuff like that, so uh, a lot of the trick shots I do are on a longboard, and a longboard is super easy. It's just like, I've never surfed before, but it's just like a surfboard. You know, on the pavement. So the not only the the board's really long, but it's just super easy to. I mean, it's super easy for me to just hit an onside kick off of a longboard skateboard. I can do it off a regular skateboard. I can do it on roller skates. But just the longboard aspect of it, it just if you have good balance and good coordination, then I just to me it seems. No, I'm not trying to sound cocky, but it just seems really easy to onside kick off a skateboard for me, you know? Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, talk, so, for the kickers that don't know or, or they struggle, talk about, like, where you aim at when you make contact on the, on the ball for an onside kick.
2: For an onside kick, well, college, college balls are different than NFL balls. So, the, the college ball, say if you have a Wilson they got the white stripe, you know, uh, Vapor 1's vapor got the white stripe around it. That's where I try to hit my toe when I do an onside kick. And But a lot of the times, I think I'm kind of going to go off on a tangent, is a lot of people on onside kicks, they think the height of the ball is so important. I mean, for it is, but if you can control a ball, if you can c- control a ball height-wise, the higher you hit on that ball the higher the ball is going to pop up, the lower I hit on that ball, the lower the ball is going to pop up. But I can still control it, you know? So I can lay a trash can uh, on the ground 10 yards away, but if I hit that ball fat on an onside kick, like hit the middle of the ball or up above the middle of the ball, I can still get that ball to go into that can. But if I want to pop it up, put the trash can upright, where the ball will actually fall into the can, if I hit that ball super high where the white line is that ball is going to pop higher the onside kicks—it's completely controllable kick but that's where I hit it when I hit an onside I try to hit that white stripe
0: that's awesome so, so kind of spinning off of just onside kicks what do you think are the two or three really top kind of onside kicks if I was like a high school kicker and I, I wanted to come to my coach and say coach I got some onside kicks uh, to show you what do you think are two or three types of onside kicks that are, are, are like, valuable for a kicker to know?
2: I said, well, I think that – I don't know if the – I'm sure the rules change, but can they pop it up in high school still?
1: I think it depends on the state. And, uh, the most state? Of, yeah, most of the states have banned it, and it's got Yeah, to, I think so. It's for got hit, It's got to hit it twice, or you got to let them catch the ball and put their feet on the ground before you make contact.
2: Well, I think they're, they're – to me, there's there's, there's a bunch of different ways to hit on-sites. Like, you understand about, like, uh, it's frowned upon now, but wedge kicking. Yeah. So, if mm-hmm. say I'm kicking a, a football and my plant foot's north-south and my kicking foot's east-west. If I come into an on-site kick with my foot that way and I hit the top of the ball, the ball's not going to pop in the air. It's going to tumble down the field. And that's, I, that's one of the onsides that I teach. So you're actually coming into the ball like you're a wedge kicker, plant foot north-south, kicking foot east-west, but you're going to graze the top of the ball. And if you can get the touchdown and graze the top of the ball like that, the ball will. you can get the ball to tumble 10 yards if you practice it a bunch, like exactly at 10 yards, and you can recover that kick yourself. That's one that I teach. I have a couple kickers that are really, really good at it right now. Um, Of course, I teach the pop-up onside. But when I teach the pop-up onside, I teach it a little different. Um, Because a lot of the times in high school, like the high school kickers that I coach in town, I don't have them set the ball up on the the ground zero, like actually on the tee. I have them set it in front. You know how it has the cutout where you can lean the ball against it? Yeah. That's how I teach my onside kicks because... The, the kicking team knows they're going to onside the the team that you know they're playing they know they're going to onside they know it's coming so i teach my onside kick off the ground um because i believe you get a better um compression of the ball especially on turf fields because the ball on a ground zero is really high and so sometimes though They'll hit the ball, like, on the tip of the ball, and then the tip of the ball will hit the ground, and there's no compression there because they didn't hit the ball. If you want to compress an onside kick, you need to hit the ground. The ball needs to hit the ground exactly where your kicking foot would hit the ground, or the ball. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm So you have to compress the ball where you would actually kick the ball on the ground. Uh, I'm trying to explain this the right way. No, Does that be... make sense what I'm trying to say? Yeah, you're making sense. So, you want to you want the ground to compress... The ground needs to compress the ball where you would actually kick the ball on the field goal. That's what needs to happen. And that's what I teach. And I believe you get better compression when the ball is sitting on the ground rather than on the tee. Yeah. So, I teach that way. And then I also teach it on top of the ground zero. Um that way, that if it's a surprise onside kick, the team doesn't know the onside's coming. Yeah. So those are the three main, main ones that I teach, but um, I could go on and on about onside kicks. <laughs> yeah.
1: So here's a here's a random question for you, switching gears on you. We've got about, we've got about two more questions left. Um, go ahead. So with the trick shots and everything, and I, I think you've, I think you I've seen a video of you a long time ago attempting like a half court shot, but like like just think very broad here, Chain, like this is gonna be kinda like a hard question I think, but like if you could choose like a an arena or a venue or an event or a stadium or a country or whatever, like like what are two or three things like that if someone if someone was like Hey hey, come do a trick shot, like where where would you wanna do it at? A
2: trick shot? I really wanna do one here in town, in downtown Reno, they have the uh, big Reno arch sign. I'd like to do a trick shot down there, but I've been caught in the city of Reno trying to do trick shots, and I'm like, hey, man, you need to get out of here.
1: But think think like bigger. Like, like is there a favorite NBA team that you like? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: I want to do a trick shot at a Sacramento Kings game. You know, any NBA team. Would be so sweet. Like, what I Just think would to... be
1: cool is if you got, like, 60 seconds and maybe oh, maybe you got, like, 15 balls and they they gave you, like, a half-court attempt and, like, a full-court attempt. I think that would be a highly entertaining, like, 60 seconds. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I've done that before. I've done it at, uh, I did it at the UNR, UNLV basketball game before. Yeah, that was it. I had, uh, uh, they gave me 10 balls and 60 seconds to make it. Okay, okay
1: that's what it was. Okay, yeah.
2: And, uh, oh, man, I was so, uh, so disappointed. This is a funny story. So every ball, I mean, one went off the rim, one toilet bowl, backboard, toilet bowl, hit the rim, hit the rim. One went under it and hit the net so it looked like a swish. And every ball was close. So it was funny. The, the prize, if, if I'd uh got the ball in, I would have won a 60-inch TV. So nice. I, was, I was totally ready for this because I do it all the time and I I actually got to go to UNR and practice the the shot on the actual hoop I was going to do it on and I made it three times and I made a full court that day and I went back that night and I was like okay I got this and my wife and I we were already planning what we were going to do with our old TV (laughs) we were like well maybe we'll just give it to our son and yeah we'll just have a new TV in the the living room so I go out there 10 balls don't go in and instead of getting a 60-inch TV, I got a $25 gift certificate to a random restaurant here in town. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. That's so awesome, though. So, I mean, but it, it was really special to go out, and the crowd was really hyped about it. And it, just the, the fact that every ball almost went in from half court, they were just like, they were entertained. Yeah. And I did the same thing at a Reno Bighorns game. They're a D-League here. D league uh, NBA team in town, and I got the same uh, chance to do it there. And you know, they just they just didn't go in, but it's still cool to be able to see I did that. You know. For sure. Yeah. All right. Got about two to three
0: questions for both you guys. All right. When you guys are doing your trick shots and you hit one, do you know that that one that kick's gonna go viral? When you post it on the internet, do you know that that one's gonna hit it big?
2: You know, there
0: been some that surprised
2: you. No, I the, the ones that have gone viral, I I knew the minute it went in, I was like, this is a good shot, this is a really good shot. Um, there hasn't been a kick yet that you know I didn't think was gonna go viral. Well, for 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 me, and I know it. Like the the when I put the basketball hoop in the back of my truck and had my wife drive by me like 20 miles an hour. I knew that was going to be a hit. Yeah. Just stuff like that. You just you know it when it drops. You're like, "Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one." Yeah. I How I'm, are you, Brian?
1: The, I'm, I I'm I'm like the opposite or not opposite. I'm like going to think about this the other way like there've been times where maybe not viral, but where I think that the audience on Instagram or Twitter will really like it. And so then I'll 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 have this concept in my head. And then I'll I'll do it, and in my head I'm thinking, oh yeah, this is gonna be a sweet one. It may not go viral, but it may just be one that people will like. And then and then it's just like it doesn't perform as good as I thought it would have. Those are the ones, those are the ones that I'm like, dang, like it was really really difficult. But then I've I've also learned like it's almost like the the less is more concept. Like if you just keep it simple, stupid. And sometimes those trick shots end up going viral rather than the ones that are way too complex.
2: Yeah, and it, it's, it's funny you mention that because I have a lot of really, really technical shots. And some of my most technical shots, that means on my Instagram, some of them don't even get 200 views. I'm like, man, that was really hard. That's like, like, do you understand what happened here? Like, that's a hard shot to pull off, but... I'm not saying kicking a football into a basketball hoop that's in the back of a truck isn't hard, but it's not as hard as some of the stuff that I do, you know. Yeah. But, but I, I know I know what the social media wants, but sometimes they just don't understand the talent involved, you know.
1: Yeah, I, I remember the one that I did this past summer with Chris at his four-day camp in Minnesota. Like, I knew if, if I hit that one, it was off a, st- a stadium balcony into a trash can. I had a good feeling that like it was in it was in July. There wasn't a whole lot of things going on, on on sports ESPN like during that time. That's another thing too that people don't know is is when you when you have a viral trick shot video opportunity like be careful and be smart when you post it because if if the Major League Baseball World Series game is going on and you post it that day, there's going to be a likelihood that the sports world is going to you know be focused on on that trick shot or I mean not, I mean, on that game rather than someone else's trick shot so like I would also be strategic sometimes where I'd post a video on a day that there was like really no big sports events on ESPN
2: yeah th- no that's that's a totally smart move I mean that's just genius but my thing is like when I post a trick shot and if I make it that day and I'm very aware of, like, what's going on in the sports world if the NBA finals are going on. But my thing – like, if I make it, I'm posting it right then and there. Yeah. I mean, if it goes viral, it goes viral. But if it doesn't, then it doesn't.
1: Yeah, and that – I, I love that philosophy. I mean, because everyone – everyone is a creator. I mean, like, Chris may not think he's a social media influencer, but he is. I think everyone – needs to understand that they cre- can ha- they have the opportunity to create content and they put their own spin and flair on it to make it, you know, what their audience likes.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but what you're saying, Brian, is so true. I mean, you really do have to – got a great shot. You really do have to pick your spots, like, when you're going to post it. That's that's so true. Yeah. I
0: think, All right,
1: man. I, Question? Think hashtags are, I think hashtags are really important, too.
2: Oh yeah hashtags are hashtags are huge man you get that right hashtag and you're like whoa I have a... one of my videos I did it the other day my son was filming me it was just a a 35 yarder into the hoop, but he kind of like panned into me and then panned it into the ball and then panned it into the hoop and for some reason that video has like like 5800 views now. But you know, the weird thing is is I don't who who took my video for it to get the fifty eight interviews, you know, I don't know. I don't know who has it, but it, it got a ton of hits, so yeah. I was like, Man, I do that stuff every Saturday and Sunday.
0: Well <laughs> yeah. oh, that's that's perfect man. That leads me to my second question. So I got two questions left. Um what are some of the big platforms that of you guys got
2: some of your videos
0: posted to? I mean what what
2: are some of the ones
0: you guys have
2: probably? About? I think like when you make it on Sports Center, then that's a huge highlight. Like anytime you're on Sports Center, I, I don't know how many times I've been on Sports Center. I think it's like six, seven times now. But like when it hits, you're like, oh man, that's so cool. So when you make it on Sports Center top ten, that's that's just a huge highlight for me.
1: I'd say this is this is kind of like an odd one, but like um I, I don't condone it. like I, I don't really like this page or condone it, but um I made World Star and got like eight thousand followers.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So. Anytime you make World Star, you know, that's that's a hit. Because yeah. some of the stuff they post you're just like, What the hell is going on? Yeah. But if your video makes it on there, you know, that's all good, dude, because you know you're gonna get a ton of followers. Yeah,
1: people like you, and then they're they're like real followers and all that. And then uh, Sports Center, I agree with you. That's like a almost like a bucket list type deal. Yeah. And then uh, Sports Illustrated, they've been I think they've posted both of ours videos before. Um, yeah. That, that's just kind of cool because you know all of us, the three of us, growing up, we always saw those Sports Illustrated magazines. You know. Mm-hmm. Just, just...
2: I remember the first time that. Uh... They send me a, a DM. They're like, "Hey, we really were interested in your video." I'm just like, "Dude, take it, man. I don't care. Take that." Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Nice man. All right. Last question for both
0: you guys. All right. Name your three favorite trick shots that you've you've ever done.
2: My three favorite trick shots. Well, number three for me. I mean, you, you, you got to go just with the, the regular kick into the hoop, man. Um, I've been doing that stuff for so long, and I don't know how many footballs I've kicked into a hoop, but every time I do it, man, that's just special. So that's number three. Uh, number two, Number 2 I'm going to have to say the, the one I just invented not that long ago is the onside kick to punt, the behind-the-back catch. That's probably my second favorite. And then number one is the one I did the other day where I spin the – It's. A, I don't know if you guys have seen it. I can send it to you. Where I spin the ball and then I come into the ball and I drop another ball like a punt. And I onside kick the spinning ball into the ball that I drop. And the ball that I drop goes into the hoop. That's probably my my most – that's the one I'm most proud of.
1: That's so difficult. I-, I remember trying to do, like, just trying to onside kick the spinning ball, and it is so, it is so hard.
2: Yeah, and it's weird because when I started practicing it, I noticed the ball would go in the same spot, the in- like, all the time. So I knew, I was like, hey, if I set the hoop up here, that ball's going to drop. And then within 10 balls, that ball dropped. And I'm just like, dude, I knew I could do it. Because the ball goes in the same spot every time. You just got to know where to set the hoop up, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. What's wrong with you, Brian? You're, th- you're top three. I, I like I
1: like what Chainsaw was saying, like some of those hoop shots, but I, I the, it's something about being up real high, like on a stadium top. I remember, like, when, when Brody Smith would always do his Frisbee trick shots. He's always high up on these big stadiums, so I think, like, the three that I like the most, I think Chris, I think I literally think you filmed all three of them, but um, it's uh the one at uh, pedal High School in Mississippi when when we had that that basketball hoop out there and, and yeah. I, I hit it from like 40 yards up in the air into that and then that
0: was like the 12th try. It was pretty. Cool that, that was
1: day. the 12th try. That was awesome. Uh, and then the one in Saint John's. Uh, this summer was another like 30, 40 yard try. That one took 27 minutes, probably 70 to 80 balls. Uh, but that one hit a trash can that was kind of narrow. Uh, and then I, I, I kind of like, um like when I was, you know, my, my flavor is kind of like building up. So I'll put a, like a rendition video or kind of like a, like it's like five trick shots in one video, but it like, it like, it's like an easy one, like, a little bit harder, a little harder, and then like, and then one to like make the the beat drop. Those are that's yeah, probably yeah. that's probably like my favorite type of trick shot video because you can put like five trick shots in one, and you can use the music and the slow mo to your advantage to make it like even cooler than what it is.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the cool thing about video editing now because everything looks so much like Dave Chappelle will say everything's better in slow motion, man. So if you can get your if you can get your. Trick shot in slow motion, get a sick beat to it. I mean, that's that's just that's just all the better, man. Because when there's no music and there's real time, people don't. It's not entertaining. It shows the skill, but it's not entertaining. But if you can do slow mo and put a beat to it, you know, it just makes it that much better.
1: All right, so Chainsaw, we're gonna finish on two questions before we um we we shout out all your social handles. And we'll also, just so the audience that that are listening, we'll make sure to tag um, Chainsaw's page. That way you guys can go follow him. Uh, All right, so two questions. I think this will hit home with you, Adam, is uh, explain the two quotes that you often use. Um, One is, to the moon, and the other one is, work ethic paves the way. Well,
2: they're kind of correlated together because – to the moon to me means, you know, every day we get up and we have a chance to work harder than the day before. And that that means something to me, you know. I don't want to go to bed at night, not tired. I want to go to bed knowing that I did everything that I could do that day. Not only work-wise, uh, family-wise, trick shot-wise. I want to go to bed tired knowing that I didn't waste waste time, you know. Mm -hmm. that's what to the moon means to me because when the moon passes over that's time that's time going by and that that means something to me and if you're if you're living your life and you're wasting time if you're sitting on the couch just watching tv vegging out that doesn't interest me you're not going to find me very rarely except for friday and saturday nights sitting on the couch doing nothing except in Snapchat my son when he's doing trick trick shots I'm just <laughs> that doesn't interest me. I I want to be out doing stuff. I want to be working as hard as I can every day at whatever I'm doing. And that's what to the moon means to me. And work ethic paves the way. I mean that if you think about it, work ethic's all we have. If you don't have work ethic, where are you going to get you're not going to get anywhere, mm-hmm. you know, and if you're not willing to put the extra hours in, get up early, stay up late, you're, you're, you're not going to be as successful as the guy that's doing that. So that, that's just what it means to me. I mean, yeah, I love every it. day you just, you get that chance to, to grind it out and that's what I do.
1: Hell that's yeah. Awesome. Man, this has been a great interview, Chain. Like, it's been so nice catching up and and just getting some really awesome feedback for for the audience. Cool, man.
0: It's awesome to hear from
2: you guys, dude.
0: Yeah, really enjoyed this, man. We appreciate your time, Chainsaw. Uh, Brian, let the audience know how they can find him and if they want
2: to follow his trick shots.
1: Yeah, I think Chainsaw, is it it Adam Lennon?
2: It's under Adam Lennon now, and... I don't know if you can type in chains Lenin and it still pops up at might, but it's under Adam Lennon on Instagram and then Adam Lennon on Facebook. And I think it's at Adam Lennon on Twitter and I don't really use YouTube that much. So yeah. yeah.
1: Good. You guys make sure to follow him and, and check out. I think Adam posts, he posts very regularly. So I think it's like once a day or even like once every few days, like he's always posting really cool stuff. I think you guys not only should follow him for trick shots, but he's also one of the best kicking coaches I've ever been around. Uh, when when we did some trainings and some camps together, um, I learned a lot from Adam, and he does virtual lessons too. So I really think you guys should follow him and, and get some feedback.
2: Sweet, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right, man. Appreciate your time. We're going to be in touch, and uh, we'll talk soon. Cool. Thanks, guys, for
0: having me on, man. appreciate it. All right. Later, Chainsaw. Yeah. Thanks, Chainsaw. All right. Uh, later. Yeah, later. Bye. Man, Brian, I love that one. I don't know why, but, uh, you know, trick shots always intrigued me. Always been fun to watch you do it, you know, whether it's a, a quick trick shot or a long one in the end. It's fun to see the, the progressions and the final outcome. So that for me, that was really fun.
1: Yeah, that was really good. Uh, I think even for people that that want to improve their Instagram accounts and their social media followings, especially a lot of the younger kids, I think I think Adam gave a ton of tips uh, on just onside kicks and, and different things like that in general. So I think um, I think a lot of people should go follow him if you haven't already, because he posts a lot of cool stuff and he's a good dude and, and he you know he stands by his word and you know. I really loved how he said to the moon and, and what that means to him. And, and so I think he's just a great person to go to go follow and, and even try to maybe emulate some of his trick shots.
0: Yeah, I agree, man. I cool.
1: agree. Well, thank, thank you guys for listening to the 4th Down Experience podcast, episode 12. Uh, it was a dandy one, and, and we can't wait to see what you guys are going to be ready for next week.
0: Thank you for listening to the 4th Down Experience be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fourth Down Experience.